Hello and welcome to a new series of short WRI podcasts looking at why COP26 matters for different issues. I'm Nicholas Walton and in this episode we're looking at COP and the business world. The challenge for us is often the costs to act are in the short term and for a business the costs of not acting are much longer term. You're listening to WRI's COP26 Shorts podcasts. Here's WRI's Global Director of the Centre for Sustainable Business, Kevin Moss. I think the, one of the first things to say with business is it's not a homogenous group. So different businesses and different sectors are going to want to get different things out of attending COP. But why is it important for them? It's important for them because they want to have an influence over the direction that governments are going to take. I think they do want some predictability and certainty in the future, but they also want some control over it so that they know what's going to happen and it's going to happen in a way that creates as much opportunity as it does downside. The public uh, understanding of COP is, is, is often that it's an intergovernmental conference also, uh, almost. Um, what kind of role and what kind of voice do businesses and, and does the private sector have at COP? So there are three parts to the role or the voice that that business has at COP. And the first, in fact, is what it does before COP in in the run-up and the commitments that businesses visibly make to their own carbon emissions reduction. This is all part of the UN's Race to Zero programme. And a key part of that for companies is science-based targets through which companies make a commitment that their carbon reduction will be consistent with the carbon reduction required for the Paris Agreement. It's important to COP because it sends a signal to governments that the companies in their countries and in other countries around the world support the level of carbon emissions required. And that gives the government the sort of confidence it needs to set an ambitious NDC that it in itself is, is compliant with, with what's needed for the Paris Agreement. Currently, over 1,900 companies around the world have made a commitment and set their carbon reduction targets aligned with the Paris Agreement. And that's a strong signal to government for this, what we call ambition loops, for governments to set their targets accordingly. The second area is what companies do when they get to COP on the public stage, whether it's in meetings, in conferences, CEOs turning up, being there and visibly supporting the Paris Agreement is really important and visibly supporting their countries coming up with equally ambitious commitments themselves. The third component is what companies do behind the scenes. When governments reach out and say, here's what's happening in the negotiations, how far should we push or how far should we go? What happens there is absolutely critical and we want companies to say the same things in private that they're saying in public. And we also want them to make sure that their trade associations are putting forward consistent positions as well and not undermining them privately um, behind the scenes. Increasingly, environmental groups, pressure groups, even governments are making the point that that there are business opportunities with a low carbon economy. So it's not just a question of businesses sitting there thinking, my goodness me, this is going to increase our costs. Do you think that that, that many um, organizations in the private sector, many companies are really taking that on board and actually seeing this as a business opportunity for the future? Oh, oh, completely, completely, and and I just want to I just want to pick pick apart that cost question one place as well. There are costs associated with acting on climate, 
but there are even bigger costs associated with not acting on climate. The challenge for us is often the costs to act are in the short term, and for a business, the costs of not acting are much longer term. And as we know, business is struggling with that long-term, short-term dilemma at the moment. But I just want to I just want to position that that cost question works both ways. And and most enlightened businesses, I think even some of the less enlightened ones, are internally very aware of that dilemma that they face. Then in answer to your your direct question about opportunity oh yeah for sure for sure businesses are aware of the opportunity here and for some businesses and some sectors it's all upside for others it's nearly all downside unless they actually change the business they're in and then for a large proportion of businesses it's something in the middle a balance of how do we explore the upside and the potential and it's only through the upside that we can really scale the sorts of solutions that we need to be scaled for us to thrive in a low carbon environment I, I was going to ask you about this question of uneven costs and opportunities across across sectors, across business models and so on. But this must also uh, dictate the position of quite a few of the countries that are sitting down at COP as well, depending on the, the makeup of their own kind of in economy and their, the, the makeup of their own private sector. How, how much is that playing into it? Oh, I'm sure that plays into it. I mean, I'm I'm not an expert. I'm not deep into the the way countries approach COP and their negotiating positions. But it's pretty clear that different decisions can can have upsides for some countries and downsides, um, and different ones can have downsides for other countries. One of the reasons that I applaud the involvement of business, although there are some caveats around how much business I think should be involved. But one of the reasons I do applaud the involvement of businesses is whereas countries predominantly, governments are predominantly forced to approach COP on a nation state basis, global companies can take a global look. And that can be a very complementary, I like to think of one as horizontal and one as vertical, for a responsible company taking a truly global perspective. That can be a very complementary set of issues to the nation state perspective that governments bring. But we shouldn't forget that every company also has its own gains and losses from COP. And most companies think of themselves as being parented in one country or another and having a bit of loyalty to that particular country. So they're trying to balance those things in their own input. Finally, Kevin, um, looking forward to when COP starts to wrap up and we start to hear what was actually decided and what was actually written down and signed, as it were, where does COP leave businesses? What's the kind of thing that they're watching to take a cue from, as it were? Well, as, as I see it, the rubber really hits the road when the those global commitments are made by countries and they then have to be translated into action on the ground, by which I mean legislation or policy or regulation back in the home country. And that's where I think business gets really engaged. And that's where we see the difference between a company that can portray and exhibit a very positive approach to climate action at the COP level, but then has the potential to fight the actual implementation of it at the national level. And I think we just always have to be aware of those differences and looking out for whether a company is seeing through what it says at the COP level, at the global level, in the way it then supports or not its government in actually implementing those things locally within the country. 
And that was Kevin Moss on why COP26 matters from the standpoint of businesses and the private sector. The other seven episodes in this series examine everything from why COP matters for food and land use, for oceans, cities, and for clean air. Now, the connection between climate mitigation and clean air is a very fundamental chemical one. The chemistry of the atmosphere affects both human health, ecosystem health, agricultural productivity, the rate of heating, basically almost everything we think about as a development goal, as well as a climate goal, is interconnected through a common dependence on the chemistry of the air. There's plenty more on COP on our website, wri.org. And you can, of course, subscribe to our podcasts on all good podcast apps. I'm Nicholas Walton. Goodbye for now. Music